What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have the developers behind the recently released titles known as Before I Forget, Claire Morwood and Shella Ramanan. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Before we dive into the game, let's talk a bit about the minds behind it. How did you both get into the games industry, and how did your studio, Threefold Games, come about? I'll start with Claire. Um... Well, in terms of the games industry, um, I had always kind of been doing games as a hobby and uh, taking part in game jams and things like that with friends. And then about two years ago, I went freelance, so I've been doing it more full time. Um, but when I met Shella, I was still doing, um, yeah, just sort of like as a hobby. So we actually met at mm-hmm. one of the game jams um, that we'd both gone to independently. So... That was yeah, that was where we met for the first time, which was uh, almost four years ago now in Bristol, in the UK. And yeah, so the game jam was um, it was over a weekend, and the theme of the jam was borders, and that's where we sort of started talking about what we could do around that theme, and came up with the the concept for the game. Very cool, Shella. Yeah, so I've been in the games industry a long time, but I was a a games journalist um, and I was always writing fiction on the side um, and never considered becoming a game developer. Um, (laughs) I just, yeah, I don't know what I had, some sort of disconnect and didn't think, oh, maybe you could write games, shall I? (laughs) Because you write about games for a living. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then um, there's a literary um, foundation called the Arbonne Foundation, and they host um, writing retreats. And they did one, uh, like, maybe five, six years ago now called Writing for Games. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And Rihanna Pratchett was a a guest tutor there, a guest lecturer. And um, then John Ingold from Inkle Games and David Varela were the the tutors for for the week. So extremely good people um, on that course. And that's what set me on the course of um, writing games. And then that's why I went to the game jam. I was like, well, I can put this into practice. I was terrified because um, <laughs> <laughs> I was it's a lot just, of pressure. Yeah, I was just the writer. I, you know, I thought, oh, they're probably going to be like, what's she doing here? Just, <laughs> don't need oh. writers. We need programmers. I mean, that's one of the hurdles people have, isn't it, about accessing games and things that they, from the outside, perceive as, you know, having to be a certain type of person. Um, right. So, so yeah, that's it. Met Claire at the Game Jam, and here we are. Wow. So let me ask you this, that Game Jam that you met at, was that the game that spawned into what is now Before I Forget, or was that something different? Yes, that was, um, we, I think we even maybe came up with the name that weekend as well, but so it was always Before I Forget. Um, but yeah, it was like very actually quite similar to the well in some ways quite similar to the final <laughs> game um over that weekend we had like a lot of the kind of core features in terms of like the the concept of the narrative and the fact that you're sort of first person walking through this house as Sunita, um the color spreading and things like that was all in there that's awesome and then so what was that um that push or that emphasis of looking at what you had created in the game jam and saying, Hey, we've got something here. Let's actually take this and build upon it. Well, what about the game did you think was the main push for both of you? 
I think uh, the main thing was at that game jam, it was voted, it won the Audience Choice Award. So mm-hmm. all the people who took part um, said it was the game they most wanted to see finished um, from that weekend, uh, which kind of like blew us away. And so <laughs> I think if that hadn't happened, we'd probably have just gone, oh, it's really nice meeting you. Maybe see you, see you again sometime, and uh, we'd have walked away. I'm I'm fairly certain, even though you know we had a great time together and liked what we came up with. I don't think we would have necessarily thought that it was something. But then we kind of looked at each other and we were like, "So, do you want to kind of carry on?" And we were like, "Yeah, maybe we should," because people really responded to it. Um, yeah, so it was it was that. Wow. Well, I'm glad they did because then you decide, (laughs) all right, we're working on Before I Forget. This is a game that the theme, dementia, personally, it terrifies me, but at the same time, it fascinates me. So there's obviously much more to the game than just the dementia piece, though. For those listening who don't know about the game, how would you explain it and why should they play it? So it's um, we describe it as, I suppose, so people who are literate in sort of game sort of speak um we call it a narrative exploration about a woman with dementia and for people who i suppose aren't as well versed we describe it as um, you play as a woman um, walking around her house and you interact with objects and those trigger memories Um, and you know she has dementia and you piece together her story through these objects and things that you interact with Um, what was the other bit of your question sorry (laughs) (laughs) why why do you think that uh, the audience or just people in general should play this game oh why should people play Um, well I think the response that um, we get from it you know people genuinely uh, it touches people, um, mm. and uh, they seem to. I mean, we've had it from people who have no connection with dementia. That you know, they haven't lost a loved one to someone who has, and people of all different ages can kind of relate to. Um, like you said, you know, it fills you with horror and dread to think about sort of losing your memory and losing. Um, your grasp on people you loved and cared about and not knowing who they are or um, losing some sense of your own identity. And so, like, everybody, you know, it's like being scared of the dark. It's, you know, it's like a really visceral sort of primeval fear. Um, So it's, uh, in that way, it's a really um, accessible topic, I suppose, because everybody can relate to it in some way. I think. Um, And also it represents things that aren't otherwise represented in games. Um, You know, she's, Danita's like in her late 50s at this stage. And how often do you get a female protagonist who's like over the age of 25, let's face it. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. And the idea of bringing some light to a very serious set of conditions like dementia is something that I love to see because it is underrepresented, uh, especially in the games industry. But with such a delicate subject, it's important to get it right. Did you take any steps to make sure that it's as accurate a depiction as you could? Yeah, when 
after the game jam um and we were sort of talking about how i suppose like where we wanted to go with the design of the game in terms of the narrative and the gameplay and things like that we at the same time we were doing research in terms of those sort of books we read and documentaries we watched um that were both from the perspectives um of someone with dementia and also from the perspectives of people like carers or family members um fiction and non-fiction as well so a really great one that we both read um a book was called Elizabeth is Missing, um, which is, yeah, it's a fictional book told from the perspective of a woman suffering with dementia. And mm-hmm. she's, it's kind of almost like a, a murder mystery book. So she's sort of, there's a, something she's trying to solve and she's trying to sort of put these puzzle pieces together. Um, but then the dementia kind of makes that problematic for her. And that was, right. yeah, it was really interesting i think that was when we realized there aren't that many um pieces of media from that first person perspective so that was a really great kind of insight in that respect and then we we talked to there was a comic-con that we went to which where we showed the game for the first time mm-hmm. um and we spoke to someone there by chance who came over and played the game who was in the care industry and she was probably the first person that spoke to us from that kind of medical perspective. And that gave us like a lot of feedback on things that we had done right. And then not so well in the game as well. Mm. And yeah, from there, I guess we sort of continued to do research. And then later on, we met these, um, we met Donald Servant, who is, a doctor who's part of a group, a charity called Gaming the Mind. And they're basically a group of doctors who are interested in the representation of mental health in video games. And so we've been working with them ever since, with him and David Codling, who, and they've kind of played the game and given us feedback and given us pointers on what we're sort of doing. Yeah, I guess the same thing, what we're doing well and what we're doing not so well and where we, we could make improvements um which right. has been like super valuable <laughs> and <laughs> meant that i don't know yeah we actually can represent the things that we're trying to represent properly yeah, yeah. that's oh go ahead yeah. yeah we had great conversations with them so they'd play builds of the game and um they'd be like yeah you know this is you know that would work and then we discuss things like um what form of dementia um does uh, Sunita have and David Codling actually specializes in that area of medicine uh, and then we could it helped us kind of tie down the timeline um, like we could use her her symptoms and the progression of her symptoms to tie down the, the timeline of you know like how fast things were going and what age she'd be and you know what age she'd have been when it started and things like that and um, yeah, so they were really interesting and valuable um, conversations. That's awesome. Yeah, that it's definitely important, especially with such a very delicate subject, like I mentioned, to get this right, just because for those who don't know anything about it, obviously this could still be something that is an interesting story to them and insightful, but for those who have been through it or are closer to that area would quickly pinpoint 
what needs to be changed and would probably be very upset to see things not represented the way it should be, especially since it's so underrepresented as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite aspects of the, about this game, though, is actually the art style itself. The way the world around you just evolves right in front of you. So looking through photographs, looking through letters, they're, they're literally painting themselves. How did you come up with this idea and what was the main reason for using this style? Um, yeah, as I said before, it's kind of something we had in there from really early on. So just from right at the start of the game jam, um, I think we we wanted a, some kind of visual metaphor um, to represent the dementia um, as well as sort of on top of the narrative as well. Um, I came from I'd like an experiment that I'd done with a friend um, a completely like unrelated game jam game <laughs> from several years <laughs> ago where it was like a playing card game and then the kind of effects of the card there's like some shimmery effect on the cards and that will kind of fade in so I was just like oh well I've got this kind of effect that I've used before let's see if we can make it work in this game um wow. so that's kind of I guess where it came from in terms of the like technical side of it but then it just worked really well in terms of how it looked and then just we just sort of stayed in the game and we used it for more and more things so we used it for like you say the photographs and the letters um the idea that when you're just looking around the room to begin with you don't see that much detail but then when you go up and inspect things and you kind of read what it's saying or you take a moment to look at the photo then it's sort of representing those memories starting to return as she is you know looking at this um object and then with the Mm -hmm. colors i suppose we yeah with the the visual metaphor side of it it kind of represents how if you don't have if you have got that absence of memory then things aren't gonna seem as detailed and vivid when you're looking at them because they're not going to have those um sort of sentimental attachments to them so we wanted to Mm. portray that visually and then have this real kind of uh shocking is the wrong word but i guess impact um when you do look at things right right that makes sense that's super interesting i didn't even think about it that way Mm. um and that brings me to another one of my questions was a lot of this world when you're walking through it it's very gray it's very bleak it seems extremely lonely um you at some points playing this game feel like you are helpless which i would imagine is kind of that that feeling you're trying to portray as someone in dementia they have no control of what's happening to them one of the main reasons for this is because you appear to be alone in the house for what seems to be the majority of the game or the entire game and there's references uh, references to other people coming into the house between times when you're actively playing but you don't get to see anyone else was this a deliberate uh, choice to never show any other characters what exactly was the reasoning behind it yeah it was a choice um i think we did talk about um having you know other characters maybe uh more present in terms of audio but there was mm-hmm. never going to be anybody else actually in the house um so i suppose Dementia is a is a lonely state, is a lonely place right, to be. Right. <laughs> um, so it works 
in in those terms and yeah I suppose we just leaned into that um we have the moments where you know she's literally doing nothing and you know a petal mm -hmm. falls off a flower and um time seems to you know it goes from day to um night or sunset and things like that so um yeah I suppose it's one of those things loneliness is one of those things that I'm afraid of <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe that's what's come through there you know I'd, yeah I'd, there's being alone and then there's being lonely and I think mm -hmm. being lonely must be the most awful thing there was um there was a thing in the in the UK on the there was a lot of um concern about loneliness and the impact it has on people's mental health and there was a story about an old couple who were so lonely that they phoned the emergency services, um, which is just the most. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. <laughs> it was so sad. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, I wanted to get those moments where, um, you know, a sort of elderly or sick person who can't leave their house as much as have those moments where all they do is just stare out the window um mm -hmm. because nobody's there um yeah so it was definitely a choice to um sort of uh yeah focus on that because it is something we don't think about we carry on with our busy lives um maybe we do now more than we used to <laughs> the current state of the world um mm -hmm. we've all experienced a bit of that or you know people who don't um aren't uh living in lockdown with families and things um, right. has become a very lonely year <laughs> so yeah I wanted to portray that as well yeah well you do it in a in a great way it definitely shows um, this is a bit random but I wanted to ask because I couldn't find anything on it and it was just a curious point while I was playing the game in the game there's this reoccurring section where the main character sees this dark hole in her house and is afraid of falling in is this a common fear for individuals with dementia Did, was this something that came from the actual like the doctors you were talking about or was it just something that was a fear that you thought might be represented for someone who has it that actually came from the woman at the Comic-Con, um, who was oh, that okay. sort of medical person that we spoke to. Yeah, it was, so we used to have um, a lot of rugs just on the floor because we were thinking, oh, we need to decorate the house. Let's just put some rugs down. Um, and so she played the demo. And then one of the thing, first things she said to us was like, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't really be able to have all those rugs around in a home where someone with dementia is living because something that can happen quite often is that they'll have these sort of visual hallucinations and especially mm. if there's if there's like a pattern or something like uneven surface on the floor um sometimes they can see it as almost like a hole in the ground um oh, okay so and you know they can sort of end up tripping on it because they're sort of not processing it in um the way that you know your eye might do so we we looked into that a bit more and then we kind of decided to have it in there as uh, to use that, I suppose, as showing these visual symptoms of dementia. Um, but also it kind of worked really well as a way to block off parts of the house when right. the player's walking around. So we didn't just want to have too many like, you know, locked doors or you have to get a key to go through to the next mm -hmm. part of the house. So we put it in that position in the corridor so that it would sort of, I guess, instill that you do have when you see a hole in the ground that you're not expecting um 
and have a natural way of blocking off parts of the house as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a great way to, like I said before, have that representation that is really true to the actual conditions of dementia. Yeah, there's, um, uh, yeah, interesting. This uh, last week, um, my a colleague, um, uh, his his father has early onset dementia, and so mm. he persuaded him to play the game. He's like, "Oh, there's this game, and you might be interested." And then he wrote a message back to my colleague, and he forwarded on his notes to me. And um, he, it was really interesting because he was like, "Oh, she." takes the same medication as I do. It's like, oh, I don't know what mm-hmm. dosage she's on and all this sort of thing. And it was really interesting because lots of people don't get the rug because, you know, nobody has a checklist in their head of what are the symptoms, the broad myriad of symptoms that are covered under the term dementia. Um, right. So it's one of the things that people just don't know as common knowledge. So lots of people are like, they get as game as they get, oh, okay, I thought supposed to go down there, but they don't know why Sunita is experiencing that. So the very first person who did was my colleague's father. He was like, oh, yes, and um, the rug was very good, the hole in the floor. He's like, I don't personally get that. He's like, oh, but I know a lot of my friends do. And so I just thought that was really gratifying that there's something in there for people who it's, you know, their personal experience and they can get something that other people won't get. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like it's a game for them and not just about them, which I thought, yeah, it was really cool. That kind of made me happy. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. That response, yeah. So now that you've launched, before I forget, what's next for the team? Do you plan on continuing on this topic or taking on something new? Oh, that's a million dollar question. I don't know because <laughs> our, our situations have changed since we since we began and since we set up um, threefold games. And I've got a full time job now as a narrative designer in AAA space um, hmm. and um, yeah, so, and I live in Sweden now. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we do want to do things in the future. You've always we've talked about things that we might do. Um, and there's a little, a second project of mine that we might um, do under the threefold banner. Um, okay. But yeah, sort of, watch this space at the moment i think (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense and i think we've gotten a great amount of knowledge on what this game is and depicted but one of my favorite things to do especially for anyone who's in this space is to ask them about general advice or tips things that you wish you would have known before you got to where you are now so that for those individuals who want to get into the indie space whether it's writing the narrative for it, whether it's doing the artwork, the programming, what's some general tips or best practices that both of you have learned over, over the course of time? Um, I think, I think if, if I was talking with my like programmer hat on, um, one of the biggest tips I would say is to not spend sort of too long to like, not put too much sort of time into one tiny like small aspect of the game you're working on um Mm -hmm. at once you know and kind of just try and get a broad even like you know really rough prototype of as full of as much of the game down 
oh sorry <laughs> I'll start that again um <laughs> kind of get as much of the game working as you can even if it's in a really rough state without focusing too much on the like fine details of one bit and then you can kind of build up from there because that's something that I think I did too much in this project and in other projects I've worked on as well is kind of get really focused on one thing um and then I'd do something a few weeks later and realize I had to rework it all anyway mm. so yeah I think having that kind of like broad broader vision of it and then building up layer by layer um would be a tip from a programming point of view but I think more generally um it's really good to try and get feedback from people sort of play testing as much as possible because mm. when you play test yourself obviously you know exactly like what you want to make and you know what your vision is and that shouldn't you shouldn't like let that be swayed too much by people but at the same time there's going to be just like, gameplay things or you know narrative things or something that might not connect with people in the way you expect it to and so it's always just really good to get people to play it and then you can kind of watch how they're playing it and what they're doing to see where you can make improvements right Shella? Hmm. yeah i um i agree with playtesting um i think one of the things we learn is like more from a production point of view when it's like a small team like this and obviously we're doing everything mm-hmm. um um is like having milestones once mm-hmm. we started doing that i think it really helped um yeah so kind of you know, having realistic milestones. I mean, don't flog your <laughs> don't flog your back with them. You don't <laughs> if, you, if you miss some of them, or whatever. I think also a thing that we did was we, if we set a date, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to come out in. Because I think we said we were going to come out in like 2018. <laughs> <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> um, but and then we'd have you know we'd be like slogging away and then you know sometimes I just say you know what we don't have to come out in February 2018 like Mm -hmm. nothing is going to happen (laughs) if we don't (laughs) um except we might die of exhaustion um you know (laughs) like if we do um so you know like don't especially if it's a side project because it you know it was we had jobs and um you know life stuff happened if you have to push it like push it that's fine and yeah I think that's what we learned was, yeah, lots of production stuff. The, the business of games is the hard bit of games, really. Um, mm. And I think having a clear vision of what your game is so that you can, A, pitch it to investors. Um, you can pitch it to your peers and your network. And then if they get the game, they will support you you know, to the ends of the earth, which we've had so much support from people because um, they just got the game. And so, and I think not letting, so if you have that, I think you've got a lot. If you know, like from, you've got the play testers who are feeding back that they really like it and you've got people who get it like immediately, then I think it's like worth pushing forward with, and then you have the foundation of having good milestones and, you know, like Claire says, having a programmer who is good at like getting an overview and doing a prototype. And then, um, yeah, I think those are things that we learned. We learned so much. Mm-hmm. Right. right. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to get it all into one place. But those yeah. are some great tips um, for those listening. 
Before I Forget is currently available on Steam and itch.io. Go check it out. It's an awesome experience. Claire, Shella, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure to have you. It was great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much.